Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast in association with Acorns Children's Hospice. Cole Petham here as always. And of course, we're back for another match preview ahead of Saturday's game against Wolves at Villa Park. Thank God the international break is basically over. I guess you guys are hearing this on the Thursday, so it's basically the tail end. And thank God, as I said before, because I guess as an international fan, I never really got the point of them. I haven't really met a lot of uh, UK supporters that get the point of them either. So nonetheless, we're at the end. It's all happy days. And of course, we do have a Wolves fan here, of course, because if not, I'd be chatting to myself. And I don't know how many people actually want to listen to that. And of course, that is Dave from the Talking Wolves website and podcast. So without further ado, Dave, how's it going? Very well, thank you. Yeah, you are right. International break is one of the worst times in the football season. So it's great to have league football back anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's it's miserable, to be honest. Like, I mean, especially for me, um, I don't think Canada's ever made a World Cup. Uh, we've been mm. drawing a bunch of games lately, which is fantastic because we never beat Mexico or come close to drawing them or the States. But um, yeah, even that's a little bit boring to watch when it's nil nils and one alls and all that kind of stuff. And you put all your hopes into Alfonso Davies, basically carrying your whole nation, but nonetheless, that's the life of a Canadian. <laughs> let's get on, uh, to the wolves perspective first, of course, that's what we like to do with these. So an interesting start to the season for wolves, of course, three, one nil losses on the bounce, um, a win shortly after against Watford. <clears throat> Um, and then, of course, I think there was another loss in between there. And then I think it's what two wins or something like that on the Rich, bounce yeah. now. Some good form kind of coming out of it. Not a lot of goals. I think I only counted five when I was looking. So in that kind of mindset, I guess the first question would be, what have you made of, I guess, kind of the summer leading into this season in the season thus far? Yeah, so obviously it's quite a big preseason and, and summer for Wolves because we'd had a change in management. Obviously, Nuno, who had been with the club for about four years, decided to step away. Uh, obviously, he's, he's moved on to Tottenham now, but he's, he's stepped away from the club. And it was pretty obvious as soon as his departure was announced that Wolves were going to go with Bruno Large, who obviously used to be uh, the Benfica manager. Um, not Well, it was a bit of a split in between the fan base, whether this was going to be the right decision or not. Personally, I thought there were, at the time, better options out there. Um, but... The inevitable happened. Bruno Lage did become Wolves manager. Um, I'm reading into him, looking into sort of how we got on in Benfica, like to play attacking football, which I suppose was a good thing because all we saw was quite negative and defensive football under Nuno, uh, last season especially. Um, and pre-season was okay. Um, some of the football was attractive. Results weren't fantastic, but sort of it's hard, it's always hard to judge on a, on a pre-season. But the first three games that you mentioned there were 1-0 losses, all to teams that you could deem as top six or top seven teams, Leicester, uh, Tottenham and Manchester United. But every single game, I would say we were the better team. We were really, really strong. 
Um, if you, you know, you're into your stats, you look at the XG of, of those games or the XG tables, we're right up there. We're still right up there now. Um, so we were really disappointed not to get anything out of those three games. And then we had that international break, which sort of probably came as a bit of a blessing, really, just to sort of kill that momentum of losses and, and sort of focus on, 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 on coming back. And we got that win over, over Watford, um, who, of course, were a newly promoted team. So that was a good win for us. Um, and then a disastrous result against Brentford. Really, really poor performance from us. Obviously, they're, again, another newly promoted team who sort of came to Wolves and I think almost probably with a mindset of let's score a goal and let's just sit on it, time waste. And I'm not going to... They weren't ultra defensive, but really frustrating to watch as a fan in, in the grounds, like the, the way they were time wasting and so on. And, and I get why they did it. You know, they, you know, when you're a team newly promoted, never been in this, this division before, you, you're going to want to try and get wins any way you can. Um, but that was a really frustrating game. But fortunately, we have bounced back. We've got two wins. Beats Southampton, quite a scrappy game, but a bit of brilliance from Jimenez gave us a 1-0 win there. And then our, our most recent game against Newcastle, a 2-1 win, where I would say we're the much better team. And probably the last, well, we were the last team to play against Newcastle under Mike Ashley. Now they've got all these, uh, this new ownership. I think they're going to be a difficult team to beat, possibly. <laughs> yeah, we're looking at... Uh... I guess Man City will be uh, Newcastle 2.0 at this rate yeah, exactly, with all the yeah. money kind of being rumored. So, yeah. um, I, hell, that's one thing I could talk about for hours. I feel like it's that <laughs> all that stuff is absolutely mental and how that yeah. went through I, boggles my mind. But again, money talks um, and that's exactly. kind of the way football is nowadays. But the one thing I kind of wanted to dive into a little bit more, and I only really kind of noticed it with the odd Wolves fan that I have on social media. There probably isn't too many, um, especially ones that maybe interact with the Villa fans, of course. <laughs> and the one thing I did notice was maybe in the summer kind of, uh, kind of, I wouldn't say cries, but complaints about the lack of investment going into the summer. Of course, you look at Wolves coming, well, really that championship season when he had Ruben Neves, which is ridiculous. Um, and then kind of coming in, and buying Rue Patricio and et cetera, et cetera. And there was a lot of initial investment. Is that a little bit of a concern now? Or is it kind of one of those things where you have to sit back and say, you know what, we're a, we're a Premier League club right now. We have to be a little bit more self-sustainable than just kind of splash the cash. That's, I think that's exactly the way the club wants us to go, self, self-sustainable. self And I'm pretty sure I've heard that phrase more in the last two or three years than I've ever heard it before. But you're right, that, that the first championship uh, season under Nuno, especially when we brought in Neves, Jota came in on loan. We ended up buying him the, the following summer. And then the first season in the Premier League, buying Patricio, Martino, Adama Traore. You know, we spent a lot of money. Um, and Nuno, that first season, got us into the Europa League. And I think the club probably saw the amount of money that we could be potentially getting and thinking, right, maybe now this club can just sort of run itself. I've probably They were probably expecting more major player sales, which haven't happened as of yet. Um, so, yeah, this summer was quite frustrating because it was obvious that we needed to strengthen and strengthen, obviously, the playing squad, but the depth as well, because Nuno always liked a really, really small squad. Throughout preseason, Bruno Large was on about that. He wanted at least two good quality players in every position, which hasn't happened. Our defence is, in my opinion, very low Premier League standard. Um, and that just didn't get addressed. We didn't sign a centre-back. Um, and we left it quite late. Um, we'd signed Trincao fairly early in the window. Jose Sol was the Patricio replacement. Um we signed a lad, Jason Mascara from Colombia on a, on a, uh, as a centre-back, but, you know, he was never going to be someone that was just going to walk straight into the team. 
And then towards the end, we signed Huang Ki Chan, who's turned out to be all right so far. And it, it didn't come until like the last two days of the window where we were strongly linked with Sven Botman from Lille, good centre-half, um, and then Renato Sanchez. And then, you know, we, everyone had been slating the board. And then all of a sudden, these rumours came about quite strong and everyone's rubbing their hands together thinking, oh, yes, here we go. We're meaning business now. And it came to deadline day. By the morning of deadline day, it, our hopes were already crushed. Renato deal wasn't happening. Botman was already off. Um, and that's when there was a slanging match start again about the board. So it's calmed down a little bit now. I think the season started and we've sort of seen how we've been getting on. It's been OK. Um, but there was there has been real frustration about the, the transfer business. And it's pretty obvious now in January, we've got to invest. Uh, we come to, I think, the 20th of December. A couple of our players go out for Africa Cup of Nations. Two of our centre-backs. We play with a back three and two of our five or two of our five centre-backs go off to Af Africa Cup of Nations and the other one's got a major injury. So we've got two centre-backs and we currently play with a back three system. So they're the sort of things that we're dealing with at the moment. There's three set. We play two central midfielders and we've only got three central midfielders. We loaned out Morgan Gibbs-White, who I thought had a great pre-season. So just the structure of the squad and even the hierarchy at the club now, they've changed it a lot over the last few years. And it's, for me personally, it's not what I would, it's not, I'm not comfortable with it at the moment, um, but it's just one of those. I'm hoping in the next 12 months or so, now COVID's starting, fingers crossed, starting to calm down a little bit. Um, we can sort of get back on track with things. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt for now, but this time next season, I might not be saying the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, kind of key word there is uh, like fingers crossed COVID starting yeah. to calm down. Yeah. I, I feel like every time that's brought up, it's jinx and it gets uh, kind of put back onto the uh, a sane kind of scale or whatever kind of metric system you want to use. But regardless of that and how annoying that's been over the last couple of years, what's kind of the what's the best way to phrase this? Where do Wolves fans kind of sit in terms of expectations? Because me, I guess as an international fan, who's only really followed Villa for the last around 11 years, I've only really known Wolves as a kind of relegation kind of threatened team in the Premier League. I remember when you guys went down initially, um, how far you guys went down to league one, the kind of the scrap to get all the way back to the championship. And then of course this recent success. So where does the fan base kind of sit with where you guys want to be and what's the expectation for this season? I would say fans this season, especially, which was completely, Luno obviously came into the Premier League and got us two seventh place finishes back to back, you know, as a newly promoted team. And then that's why I think that was his downfall last season because he wasn't, if you've set your foundations of being a, a manager that can get you two seventh place finishes next season, you're going to expect that as an absolute minimum. And it didn't happen. And I think that's why Nuno sort of, that was his downfall at Wolves really. Under Bruno, because it's much more attractive football and more pleasing on the eye, I'd say, I think Wolves fans would probably be satisfied with mid-table this season. But in the back of our minds, we know we've got the potential if we actually put our hand in our pocket and strengthen a couple of areas, we could be pushing for top seven again. And that's a frustration, really. So I think this season, current squad as it is mid-table would be OK. But everybody knows just a couple of big signings in one or two areas and we could become that team that can compete with the top seven again. Um, so, yeah, it's a strange one, really. I think this, all the success of Nuno just made us as Wolves fans almost quite spoiled, I think, in a way, uh, just expecting everything and anything. But now I think last season was a bit of a reality check and I think it, 
expectations have probably calmed down a little bit. I've seen I've seen people that think we're going to get relegated this season. I don't mean that's hap- it will happen. We're much stronger than some of the teams in this division, but um, at the same time, I don't think we're we're strong enough for an entire season to to push for Europe again. No, there's there's way too many teams that are relegation threatened. I mean, I think Norwich are already down. Newcastle exactly. are still down there and can't invest yeah. yet. Um, we could go on and on, of course. And the one thing I did kind of notice as a similarity between Villa and Wolves is that kind of push for your Europa League Champions League spots. And I can think back to when I first started sporting Villa and kind of at the very end of Martin O'Neill's time. And it was that constant push for Champions League. Mm-hmm. And you almost kind of become, I wouldn't say delusioned, but you expect it so much so that you come so close every time and it just doesn't happen. And then when that person leaves and to replicate that is probably the hardest thing that you can do. And typically after they leave, usually one, either you're not given the budget or there's other restrictions. And I kind of feel like when you look at clubs nowadays too, it's there's so many clubs that are kind of going down the, I guess you could say the Brentford model that a lot of people kind of quoted as, of looking at younger players from abroad, bringing them in and kind of moving them around and cycling, which I find funny because eventually that's probably not going to work because if everyone does that, there's not enough kind of demand to meet what's actually going to be needed. So that'll be interesting about 15, (laughs) 20 years and everyone goes kind of bust in that kind of instance. But regardless, let's get into, I guess, Saturday's fixture here, of course. Um, Last season was um, interesting results, of course. I can remember that 1-0 win in stoppage time with the penalty that... Yeah, yeah, we got away with it. I'll admit that. Um, and I mean, good memories there. Um, it, it was kind of interesting to look at it from the year prior where I had no confidence going to any game. I'm still very nervous to play Wolves, to be honest. I just never know what to expect. But you being a Wolves fan, of course, Dave, what are you expecting? Well, I, I said it on our podcast a couple of weeks ago. Villa are the one team that I'm, when we play them at Molyneux, I'm confident we'll win. But when we play them at Villa Park, our track record isn't fantastic. In the last two times I've been, you beat us 4-1 when I was there and you beat us in the championship. Um, and then we played you in the cup, was it last year or the year before? Uh, the year before it was. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And we played a very weak side and you beat us in the end there. So, I don't know, like, like you said, last season, the games were very, very close. Even the 1-0 game, I thought, could have gone either way, um, as could the game at, at was it uh, was it your place? I think in the evening game, um, mm-hmm. which could have gone either way, and we missed a couple of great chances. And I think this season it's dead close in 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 the league so far. So I, I'm going to be I'll be intrigued to to see how it goes and how it pans out. And obviously, you guys sort of still adjusting to life without Grealish and Co, but have strengthened your team quite considerably. Um, but I don't know. Again, it's it's so. I think you'd be brave to to bet on this game because it, it is genuinely so close between these teams at the moment. Yeah, and it, I mean, for us, we just can't get everybody healthy. Um, mm. Leon Bailey is the, probably the biggest flirt of my lifetime of being a Villa supporter, to be honest. He comes on and gets an assist or a goal, and we really haven't seen him since. We've seen him for maybe like 20 minutes here or there. Um, and the list goes on. Traore is injured on international duty. Um, Sanson just can't stay healthy, et cetera, et cetera. So, and I know Dougie Louise won't be back because of Brazil duty and all that kind of malarkey that's going on there. But uh, I guess with Wolves, um, was there someone that just came out, if I'm thinking, that just contracted COVID as well? Was that Trincao? 
Trincao, yeah. So I think in terms of injuries, Trincao definitely out. Um, obviously, the major ones, Neto still out injured. Um, Neves was a doubt, but I think he came on for Portugal yesterday. So he should be okay. But the major one that sort of out of our team that's been playing so far, Trincao, it sounds like he's going to be out. I don't think his uh, isolation period will be done before Saturday. So he'll be out. Um, so I'd assume our front three would probably be Huang, Hechan, Jimenez, and Adama Traore, I'd assume. Oh, fair enough. I mean, we're both missing players, so really, what mm. does it matter? It's still going to yeah. be a good game, nonetheless, a tight one. The one player I did want to hone in on there, I guess we can throw both of them in there, is Huang He Chan and, of course, Raul Jimenez. Um, I feel like everybody, especially if you pay attention to FBL, FPL, I should say, has been crying out for Jimenez to finally score, and he's done that and got an assist, or two assists, I should say, assist, in the following yeah. game. What's kind of the thought process and kind of... Uh, I guess, mindset with him and He-Chan as well. I mean, I, I think He-Chan has, what, three goals so far this season, if I'm thinking yeah. correctly. So what are your thoughts there? Yeah, so, I mean, I was quite excited when we were first linked with him because, well, we have been linked with him for the last couple of years and it was even before he went to uh, Leipzig and it was said that Nuno had sort of rejected him as a player, didn't, didn't want him to join the club. So it's interesting that he's obviously been the club has obviously kept really close tabs on him because as soon as Nino's gone, he's coming to the club. Um, he's been good. He's, he's really almost for me. And a lot of people compared him very similar, especially his goals that he took quite well against Newcastle, very similar runs and play style to, to Jota before he left the club. Um, and the connection and the partnership between him and Jimenez was very similar to that against Newcastle. So yeah, the, obviously he grabbed the goal against Watford, by the way, the social media traction in South Korea is absolutely ridiculous when he scores goals and so on. That I've got a guy, a South Korean guy on Instagram, and I was at the game and he was messaging me, please, can you send me pictures? Can you send me videos? <laughs> it is, it's mental. But um, yeah, he, he looks good and he's almost, you know, there was we've got a lot of good players in attacking areas. Like Adama Troyore hasn't started the last two games. He's probably got combined about 10 minutes. He's struggled to break into the team. We've got Pedence that's come back from injury and looks quite good. Obviously, Trincao as well, Neto to come back. So those wide areas are quite difficult to pinpoint, really. But Huang now, the last few games, he played well against um, Newcastle really well. I think he's made that left wing his spot his own. And Jimenez now as well, who... Looked all right, and it was just almost as if he was snatching at chances a little bit, just needed that. And again, it's a cliche, just needed that goal. And then you knew, you know, everything else would come after that. And it just seemed like a huge relief off his shoulders. And against Newcastle, although he didn't score, it was his best game of the season. Two two assists, two great balls through for Huang. And just seems like he's playing without pressure really now. He looks fantastic. So really excited to see how, how he can kick on now, hopefully, and grab some more goals for us this season. Yeah, the one thing I did notice with Jimenez, and I think it was the Southampton game he scored. I mean, he could have had a hat trick, to be honest. He was a <laughs> yeah, little wasteful, but uh, no, it's one of those things and the emotion you could see after that win, too. I think that's kind of a major boost for you guys, and you're coming into good form as well. Um, our most recent visit to Spurs was not pleasant. We probably should have had different tactics, and I'm still annoyed we lost to Spurs because I think they're absolute rubbish this season. But nonetheless, yeah. it is what it is. <laughs> The one kind of player I do want to mention before we get to some score predictions would be Adama Traore, of course, ex-Villa. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, his time didn't work with us. And you see him being linked in the summer with the likes of Liverpool, of course, um, and everyone really under the sun that has a little bit of money these days. 
what's kind of the mindset with him? Because you didn't mention he hasn't really been playing. Is that more so he's not fitting into the system or is that kind of maybe a mindful tactic you think of, okay, we can kind of give him a little bit of rest and use him as a, a real impact? It's a, it's a strange one really with Adama at the moment because I thought first two or three games against those big sides that we mentioned were he's arguably some of his best games we've seen him play in a wall shirt for the last couple of years, although he didn't contribute to a goal or assist. I think the Leicester game, the opening day of the season was the most shots he'd had on goal in a single Premier League game. So straight away, you know, after the first game of the season, that is, you're thinking, right, maybe Bruno Large has sort of got him <clears throat> utilised in a role or position that we've not seen Nuno get, get the best out of him. Um, and then strangely, I think it was the... Possibly the last two games, definitely, he, he's not played in or, you know, he's not started in, which is quite strange um, and, and had very little time on the pitch as well. So it's interesting. I, I think he sh- I'd be if he doesn't start on Saturday against Villa, there's something going on behind the scenes has got to be because it's been happening for ages. He's still got a year and a half left on his contract, but he's wanting big money. He's wanting to be one of the highest earners at the club. And as much as I love Adama and love watching him play and just so desperate for him to start scoring goals or assist and get assists, you can't be the highest earner at the club if you're not contributing towards the score sheet. It's just not going to happen. So he's, he's really got a kick on. I hope he starts. I mean, I'm part of the sort of Wolves fan base that really defends him and really wants him to come good. And if anyone slanders him on Twitter, I'm on it and trying to defend him. But... It's, it's really got to happen happen for him soon, otherwise, you know, and I think you may well see um, if he doesn't start Saturday, I think there's definitely an issue with his contract there. And if we don't see him get much game time, it wouldn't surprise me to see him get sold this January. Um, we were we were quoting, not this summer, just gone the summer before, we wanted about £80 million for him. Now, you'd probably be happy with £30, £35 million for him, which is still a profit on what we paid, but nowhere near enough what what you could have got for him when he was at his peak and with Jimenez. Yeah, it, it's an interesting one with him. I mean, he was only with Villa for that one season and it was our worst season in God knows how long, to be honest. And he's added a little bit in my eyes to his game, but he's still super one-dimensional in some instances. Yeah, and everyone yeah, knows yeah. about his pace. I mean, he literally came to Villa as a boy and now he is a man. He is literally a brick shit house in every definition <laughs> um, with the Vaseline and all that kind of stuff with, he has to do with people pulling his arms and all that kind yeah. of stuff like that. It, it, it's an interesting one. Cause you sit there and you think like you can offer so much, but it's so inconsistent. And he's your prototypical winger of he'll be on his, absolute kind of worldy moment one day and then the next he's just nowhere to be found and you know what if you can really if you can get I don't know 30 to 40 million for a player that you're having success without it's really never really bad business and it is what it is I feel like with anybody that comes from Barcelona or whatever it doesn't Mm. matter what part of their career I feel like they still have that kind of mindset of expectation of well, I, I was at this club at one point. I deserve to be at this kind of exactly, thing. But yeah. I mean, if let's be realistic. If you're playing for Middlesbrough in the championship for what was it, a couple seasons, yeah. it's a little questionable, let's be honest. Yeah, but it's just it's just frustrating because you can see it, especially like for someone that watches him week in, week out, you just know that he's got the tools to genuinely yeah. be a top, top player. And it's just frustrating to watch him when just little things like his off the ball movement and work rate at times, just like just make that right decision and you could be like doubling, tripling your, your goal output for the season. It's just frustrating. It's just little things. And 
every game you watch or every sort of new manager, like obviously we went from Nuno to Bruno or new role. You just think, right, this is what this is going to be a diamond now. It just doesn't happen. So it's got to happen sooner rather than later. And I think sort of like what you said earlier, possibly is the fact that Bruno, as good as a diamond can be, Bruno just prefers maybe someone that's slightly more technical on the pitch rather than Dharma. They might not be as quick. They might not be as um, impactful, you could say, as a Dharma. But throughout a 90 minutes, they're going to do a hell of a lot more than what a Dharma could contribute. And that that might well be a factor. Absolutely. And I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if somehow he starts this game and scores. You know how... <laughs> as Villa... No, he spoke about it, yeah. Yeah, you know how as Villa fans or even, I guess, even with the Wolves kind of circumstance, yeah. you would look at it. And he'd mm. sit there and think, oh, okay, he used to play it for us. He probably will score. It always happens at some point, mm. at least once a season. So, Dave, without further ado, I guess before we wrap things up here, could I get your score prediction, please? Yeah, I think it'll be a close game, um, like I said earlier, but uh, I always back Wolves. I'm going to go with a 1-0 Wolves win. Fair enough. I will go, oh, God, do we keep a clean sheet? I don't know what how we're going to start this. <laughs> um, there's not many goals in these games. I'm going to go, I'll go the other way, 1-0 Villa. Um, I mean, it's always good to be confident about your team, and I do appreciate your honesty. A lot of people, like I've said before, come on here and they'll say, oh, 1-1, nil, nil, just yeah. to be nice. No, I like the boldness. I appreciate <laughs> it. So anyways, Dave, it's great to have you on. Great to chat again. And if people want to find you, where can they find you? Yeah, so it's uh, at Talking Wolves, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Um, so, yeah, if you're a Wolves fan or want to see my reaction after the Villa game, come and check us out. Yeah, absolutely. If you are a Villa fan and we somehow lose or don't get the result <laughs> you're uh, hoping for or a Traore scores and you're mad because we predicted it, if you're going to send them abuse, a little, just be nice about it. Yeah. Just playful abuse, please. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, uh, once again, thanks, Dave, for coming on. We'll wrap Thank things you. up there. Of course, if you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Talk Aston Villa. Tweet the team at 7500 Holt. We'll also have some stuff uh, being announced, hopefully on Monday's pod with Acorns um, and how you can get involved with that, with the fundraising stuff coming up shortly. But we'll leave it there. And don't forget, up uh, the Villa. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.